stories. It's always fun to tell stories, and you are going to hear so many wonderful stories from David and Teresa and Isaac. It'll probably take them a couple of years to get through everything that they've experienced in this one summer. But there's one story that you probably won't hear that I, I think I want to start out in telling you. You remember that David went to a monastery for a week in New Mexico. Well, when he arrived at that monastery, I have my connections. <laughs> when he arrived at that monastery, they took one look at him and went, he's so skinny, he must be starved. So they immediately escorted him into the kitchen. There, one of the brothers were frying chips. And David, you know, he's pretty sharp, has this little twinkle in his eye, and he said, are you the fryer? To which the brother said, very simply, but also with a little twinkle in his eyes, no, I'm the chipmunk. <laughs> okay, so maybe that wasn't true. So maybe <laughs> when you hear the true stories that I'm having to say, I better pray first, so would you join me? Heavenly Father, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be true, acceptable, and pleasing to you. Empty, empty me of me. Fill me, fill me with your spirit. Amen. Well, Psalm 107 is a beautiful song of gratitude, of thanksgiving. It's my last day here, so I thought this is appropriate. This is a time to say thank you. And with gratitude, I have many stories of how you have touched my life and how God has shown up in you and through you that has given me hope for the future of the body of Christ. But this Psalm in 107 is, is not only just beautiful, but I wanna tell you, I'm gonna give you permission right up front. If you're done listening to me today and I'm still talking, please read that whole psalm. You are going to love the pattern that is in this psalm. The context is actually the story of Israel's rescue, but it really truly finds its fulfillment ultimately in the rescue of us in Jesus. It celebrates being rescued mainly from four major disasters and dangers. The desert. Oh, we've all had our desert wilderness times, dry times. You go to prayer or read scripture and it just seems like there's just nothing there. Did I lose God? Have I done something? God, why can't I hear you? We wander, we feel lost sometimes. We've all had desert times. There's fruit in the desert, but when you're in it, it can be terrifying as well as beautiful. Prison. Now, some of you may have been in prison. I haven't had that opportunity yet. If I keep telling more stories like I started out, I may have an experience with that. But some of you may have experienced timeouts or having privileges as, you know, you were growing up taken away and you feel like you've lost your freedom. But all of us have slavery to sin and addictions. And we will struggle with that the entire time here we are on earth because we're fallen in a fallen realm and we don't always know what it looks like to be redeemed. Sickness, 
Is there anyone here that can honestly say I have never been ill physically, mentally, or emotionally? We've all struggled. Stormy seas, difficult times, confusing times as we're tossed with the waves. What do we do? How do we do this? Where do we go from here? Oh my, am I, I'm drowning. I don't know if my life is going to be spared. We've all had our storms in life. They did too in this psalm. And the pattern is they had this event. They cried out to the Lord. He rescues them. And as I think back on what God did, his character starts showing up. And it's not just they celebrate. They are now celebrating who God is and his action. And so that new story kind of emerges that say this has to be sung. This has to be told to everyone especially to the next generation. This psalm connects their present and the past for a hope for the future. There's an old media guy, some of you remember Eric Severide. Anybody remember him? He was one that could make the past talk to the future. I'm sorry, the past talk to the present. And then as he was talking and sharing, maybe about something in history or, or whatever, no matter what this event was, as devastating as it was or as happy as it was, all of a sudden as he's linking these stories, he distills some wisdom. He highlights some values, and he brought hope for the future. We don't have media like that as much as they try right now. I wish we had a little bit better of that. But as a body of Christ, we can do that. The gospel story linked to present events, what has all happened, will give us, because we can then celebrate what God has done in and through us and who he is and how he acts to give us hope and healing and values for the future. We can still do that, but we have to tell stories. Why tell stories? Well, one of my favorite authors is C.S. Lewis. Anybody else? Yeah, great. C.S. Lewis had said that you can tell stories because you can't just come up to somebody and present the truth or the four gospel laws or whatever they're doing, right? But what you can do is tell a story. And he says stories steal past the dragons that guard our hearts and minds allowing one to hear and accept truth that are in those stories. One quick example of how you can either tell it slant, as Eugene Peterson says, or there was a guy in my daughter's church. She was a children's and family minister, and he had a 90-some-year-old mother that he visited almost every day. She was not interested in hearing about his God. Not interested. Well, you can imagine his heart. She's in her late 90s. He doesn't know how long she has to be here on this earth. But she is not interested. Resistant, resistant, resistant. At Home had a ministry we called Faith at Home. And they taught families how to pray. And they encouraged them by giving them bracelets that had 752 on them. I want you to pray seven times a week by yourself, five times with your family, your whole family, and two times if you're married with your spouse, at least. 
752. Well, he's wearing this bracelet as he goes and, and visits her that Sunday. She notices the bracelet and says, well, what's that bracelet you're wearing? Oh, well, you know, we learned about this and blah, 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 blah. She says, well, 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 tell me about that. Tell me how, how do you pray? Who do you pray to? And at the end, she asked him, will you teach me how to pray? And will you teach me who this God really is? A bracelet, a story about him. Why tell stories? Because we have almost 80% of our children when they reach adulthood leave the church. Two years ago when they did a study of 100 cities in the United States, which ones were the most Bible-minded, scripture-minded? Do you know where Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona kind of landed? The bottom 10. We only had eight cities that were less Bible-minded than we were. Cities like San Francisco. Why tell stories that can promote the awesomeness of our God when a culture is so resistant if we approach them straight on? We can share our experiences. They may ask, but in our sharing, when they do, we can tell of God, his actions, his character, and our story becomes his. Jesus taught theology by using parabolic stories, parables. He told parables, just like we tell parables, to try to get, tease his listeners into getting an idea. No, new ways of thinking about what he's saying so that they're open. And you know, salvation is a story. It's not an idea. It's not a concept. It's not a principle to live by. It is a true story. We have the gospel story, but not everybody knows the gospel story. I have a little acrostic there, but as you look at that, yeah, we, we've got this. We, we, we know all that. But you know what? Not everyone does. In fact, I have a little girl that was helping me at the church. She didn't even hear the name Jesus before. The neighborhood kids used to come. What are you doing? Oh, I'm setting up for this. You want to help me? And I would get to talk with them. She had never heard the word Jesus. As we're talking, and my sanctuary had kind of an atrium, so there was a beautiful, beautiful setting there. I said, well, you know, would you like to hear the story? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you about Jesus and his story, but, but let's go back to the beginning. And so with the atrium, we started with creation, the simple fall, and I'm just telling her the story. And she was like wide-eyed. Wow. So this Jesus... We broke up with Jesus. Yeah, we broke up. But God the Father had a different story to tell us. Wow. I like that, Jesus. Mm. Two days later, she asked to pray. A week later after Easter, they got that home and moved. So I have no idea what the end of that story is. I have to give that back to God. But I thought, how can, not, how can you not know the word Jesus in our they don't know, and they don't know the story. But the disciples didn't know the story either, and they were with Jesus. So, you know, we're going to tell some stories. We're going to put up a campfire. Campfires are for stories, I promise. No ghost stories. This is based on John 21. You remember the story. 
Jesus had already resurrected. This is really going to be the third time that Jesus actually showed up with his disciples. And in the story, Peter said, eh, I'm going fishing. I don't know what else to do. Oh, we'll go with you. So six of them, so seven are out there. Fished all night, got, got nothing. You remember the story. And then Jesus on the shore shows up with a little fire, bread and fish. Cast your net on the other side of the boat, on the right side. Whoa, 153 fish. They're only 100 yards out. And so when John says, oh, that's the Lord, you know Peter. Oh, I can't remember. Did he throw his clothes off or did he put them on? It's Peter. Who knows? You know, swim to shore. So the rest of them come. And Jesus invites them down to the campfire and said, hey, bring some fish. I mean, come on. Seven guys fishing all night, they're starved. I bet a good deal of those 153 fish were probably cleaned and cooked. Now, I don't know about you, but the story says, and then they ate, and then. I was like, wait a minute, and then. What happened between all that time? It takes time. And as they're eating, give me license, but this is what I think happened. One of the disciples says, Master, you know, these fish and this bread kind of reminds me of the time that you, you asked us to fee- take a few of these and feed over 5,000 people. We thought you were crazy. And everybody started laughing. Yeah, yeah, we sure did. Wow, did we think you were crazy. And then John says, hey, you know, Peter, kind of ribs him a little bit. Remember when Jesus asked you to go and open the fish's mouth for a coin because we needed to pay that temple tax? Oh, be honest. You didn't really think you were going to find a coin in that fish. And to Peter, then, he's sitting by the Lord. So obviously, Peter's going to jump up and say, Oh, Jesus, Jesus, I believed you all along. Trust me, trust me. Believe me, believe me. At that, the disciples are throwing their heads back. Jesus is laughing hysterically. At that, then, Peter says, Hey, mind you, Hey, you disciples out there. I was the only one that got my feet wet when I got out of the boat to walk on water. None of you did. Jesus pats him. Sit down, Peter. We know. We know. And then James kind of ponders and says, You know, Lord, as I'm thinking back on all these stories, I thought I knew then who you were and the power of God, but as I think back now, My life has been forever changed. I can never be the same. In fact, I don't think I can share these stories the same anymore, but they need to be told. And John, the beloved, said, Yes, Jesus, thank you. I am so grateful. We are all grateful. And this story, your story, needs to be told. Let the redeemed tell their story. Now, I took license, but I wonder, what has happened in your life that you can remember and ponder on? How might you now tell a story that actually not only gives glory to God, but actually becomes his story? For ultimately, we make sense of our life experiences through stories. And they ultimately don't speak about us. They reveal God's character and his actions and movements in us. And when we connect our story to his story and we see who he is and his actions, even though we don't get out of those 
difficult, stormy times, he's there with us. That gives us the hope and the healing for the future. That's how it is to be told. Psalm 107, gratitude is the result. So in the response, the biblical stories in ours really don't reveal our lives, but it reveals the hand of God in the lives of his people, amen? So as we go on our life journey, from riding trikes to driving cars, from the mundane to the mystery, and to all those exciting adventures that we've had in the summertime, it's life-changing. But no matter what we encounter, God is present in us. Not one disciple prayed to get out of trouble, but they prayed for wisdom and endurance to go through it. In this world, we will have trouble, but we know the one who has overcome this world. And when we connect our story to his story, we will have hope and healing for the future. Let the redeemed tell their story. Before I conclude, I want to take a little pause, and I'm going to ask up Pastor David. He has so many amazing stories about God's amazing works. The time on the Camino Trail was fascinating. But I want you to think about one was most exciting and how you saw how God was able to allow you to not only hear but to tell your story along that way. I know, only, okay. only a little, but yeah. Give them a sure. taste of what they got for the rest of the year. Sure. So um, you'll find out over time the, some of the many things that God has done to shower his love on me this summer. I feel spoiled. That's <laughs> what I feel like. With all the things, the experiences he's given me to help me know how much, how deeply he loves me, um, which I sometimes had lost track of. Mm. But... Um, in that last month that I was gone, I did, some of you know, I did something really crazy, and I decided to walk across Spain. <laughs> I did this, uh, what's called the Camino de Santiago, and ran into a ton of people a lot, and heard a lot of stories. I mean, I, all, basically, it, it was so good and therapeutic for me, for those of you who know me well, to have nothing to do every day but get out of bed, <laughs> walk, talk to God, go to bed, and get up and do it again. I couldn't multitask, I couldn't do emails, I couldn't do phone, my phone didn't work over there. I had nothing I could do to distract <laughs> myself from just being. And so day after day after day, I had these long conversations with God. And I would run, run into people along the way, but most of the time I was just on my own, walking through the countryside. And uh, so when I would get to a place to stay for the night, I was like, looking for someone to talk to. Imagine that, introvert David was looking for someone to talk to. I was like, oh my God, give me some kind of communication, you know? And uh, so I would actually look for these, they call them in Spain, albergues, which are like hostels. And you'd be in this big open room and there might be 50, 60, 80 bunk beds in there. You hear this cacophony of snoring every night, which was kind of interesting to do. But I wanted to be there. I wanted that as opposed to the hotel room because I wanted to be around people. And one of the things I loved especially was the fact that in some of these, they would have meals together. 
in the evenings. And uh, that was my moment where I could just find some person I didn't know who might actually speak English, which was sometimes a challenge for me. Like if they spoke English, it's like, oh, I'm going to talk to you, you know, and we'll carry on conversations. And God kept bringing all these interesting people into my life. I have so many I could share with you. I, I remember, I remember the, the professor in, from Spain who I ran into on the steps of a monastery, and that was a powerful story. I remember the German guy who I ran into at a bus station, uh, a train station, as we were going back to a town to get some groceries to eat after hiking all day. But the one that probably sticks in my mind the most, and you might have seen this in my blog for those of you who are keeping up with me, was this girl named Alyssa. Oh, good story. Um, it was just, it was really interesting. I mean, you walk and you, it's, it's kind of crazy, but, you know, you have conversations with people during the day and you kind of are okay leaving stories open-ended because you'll know you'll see them again, right? And what was so weird about this, Debbie, was I would have a conversation with someone one night and we, just, we all just kind of knew we should probably say goodbye to each other because maybe we'll see each other again tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe we'll never see each other again the rest of our lives. Um, so it was kind of weird. Every time I'd had these conversations, you kind of held them, you know, not knowing will I ever even see him again. But I remember the first time I met Alyssa, I was in this little Spanish town called San Martin, and there was only one albergue there, so everybody, everybody was in this place. And I was dying for a salad, so I went to, I walked, went to the nearest grocery store and just, like, was buying everything I could find to make this huge salad. Imagine that, me wanting vegetables. But I was just like craving for something green. So I made this huge salad for everybody in the alberga that night. And uh, she was uh, cooking mushrooms, so I kind of stayed away from her for a while. God, I'm not a mushroom person. I didn't really have much conversation with her, but we talked a little bit that night. Uh, got to know her name. Then I kind of, you know, then you know, I'd go off the next day and lose track of her and don't think I'll ever see her again. A week later... I, um, I stopped early one afternoon in this little town called Canero. I figured I'm not going to go any further. I'm tired. My leg's hurting. I'm just going to stop. And I, am, I guess it's okay for me to say this. I was enjoying a really good beer that, at, 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 this play, at this place. It was an alberghi, but it was also a bar. And I was just kind of relaxing, nursing my leg a little bit, and enjoying a good, a good beer. And there walks up Alyssa again. And I'm like, oh, I, I, rem- I know you. I remember you. are like, okay, what was her name again? And I'm kind of go- we're both kind of going back through our heads. But just the fact we saw somebody we knew, it was like, oh. And so we sit down and start having a conversation together. And before you know it, three or four hours passed. And we were like, oh, my gosh, it's getting dark. What time is it? Debbie, one of the things that was so neat for me to see, and I just want to share this with you guys. When you're talking about sharing your story, Sometimes we think in our minds, I can't share my faith with anybody. I wouldn't know what to say, and it's going to be weird, and it's going to be awkward, it's going to be uncomfortable. Let me tell you what I've discovered in my life. It's, it is so, so easy to do. You know what the trick is? Don't say anything. Introvert me, it's really easy to do. Just listen. But I have found that the best way to allow God to work into conversations is to tell, ask someone to tell me their story find out what's going on in their life, find out what interests them, and just dig into that. And, you know, someone would tell me what's going on in their life, and at some point along the way, so many times, God would just whisper in my ear, okay, here's the moment. Maybe they're sharing this big accomplishment that they had in their life, and they can't believe they're able to pull it off, and it was really hard and challenging, and God will remind me, why don't you just ask them, um, 
how did they accomplish that? Did they have some sort of a spiritual background in their life that helped them to do that? What is their faith? Do they have a faith life? What does it look like? Mm-hmm. And people would start opening up, you know, and you never know what you're going to hear. I mean, I heard some, <laughs> I heard some doozies from some people. Let me tell you, uh, you have to be prepared for that. But I mean, just being interested, truly interested in someone else's story is huge. And it was so good for me because so oftentimes I realize, I realized when I was there, I'm always going so fast here. I was. Always go, 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 go. But busy, busy, busy. Hurry, hurry, hurry. How many of those conversations have I lost? Have I missed? Because mm-hmm. I was so into me mm-hmm. and not into the person in the, in the checkout line in front of me or wow. uh, in the next seat in the Starbucks. Great insight. But I had all this time and was glum, looking for conversation, and I had these great conversations, and she was one of them. We, we, I just started asking her about her story, and the first thing that she wants to tell me about is her mom, which she is really on the outs with, you know, because her mom evidently, I mean, her, she, would, she told me about how she had just graduated from college. She maybe was like 24, 25, and I asked her what her degree was, and she says, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to do anything with it. Why? Well, why did you get it? Well, my mom made me get it. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your mom. And she starts sharing more and more. And I can sense this pain in her, in her voice. And she's, she's here on this Camino because she's looking for answers. She knows mo- 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 everything that mom has to say is wrong, right? <laughs> uh, but she's looking for an answer. And I say, mm-hmm. well, do you have like, any kind of faith in your life that helps you with answers? And she said, oh, I tried that. She, my mom, mom again, my mom made me go to Catholic catechism when I was a kid, and I just couldn't get my head around all this Jesus stuff, and I couldn't get, I couldn't get my head around all these rules that the Catholic Church had, and so I just, I just had to do something else. And she said, so I'm just kind of an agnostic. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Tell me what that looks like for you, you know, and got her to open up about that. Well, you know what, Debbie? Hmm. When you ask people enough about their lives, what inevitably happens they ask about They yours. get tired of talking about themselves and they want someone else to talk <laughs> ah, about. Amen. Right? And so, so she asked me, so what do you do for a living? Oh, great. Here we go. You know, I don't know she if you want to hear this story, but, you know, I, was, I told her, but, well, yeah, I do. Okay. And I told her. And I told her about how in times in my past when I was really struggling to hear from God, how I would just press into God and I would trust that my relationship with God and how God would speak to me and how God gave me proofs of that many, many times over and over. And I tell her some of those stories about how God had worked to prove to me that I had heard his voice. And she was just fascinated. Hmm. God did that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I say goodbye to her the next morning thinking, I'll never see this girl again. Twice, I'm sure that's not going to happen again. The last night um, I was in Spain before I was going home, Debbie, I was struggling. This may sound crazy Hmm. to you, but I had gotten used to Spanish culture. I had gotten used to the pace of life and the thought of coming back to the U.S. Mm. and the, you know, driven, driven, driven. the schedule that I am so guilty of putting myself in, it was bringing me anxiety. And I was just like, oh, everything in me was just like dreading getting on that plane because I kept saying to myself, God, I, there's no way I can stop that. I even called my wife. I was like, maybe you can help me. You know, but would you know, I'm sitting there at the at this dinner table, just eating and thinking, God, I, I need you right now. You need to do something. And in walks Alyssa. Wow. 
I mean, this town, Santiago, but there's thousands of people in this town. There are places to stay. There are hundreds of places to stay all over this huge city. And she walks into that Alberta in that moment. As soon as I get out of my mouth, God, I need something right now. And I just emotionally just, I'm, my composure probably looks okay, but inside I'm just kind of falling apart because I'm thinking, God, you are so good to me. And as soon as she sees me, her jaws drop open. She's like, oh, my God, it's the preacher. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, I've I got to tell you a story. I said, sit down, tell me your story. She said, David, when, when you left me, a couple of days after you left me, I was hiking. She told me the town. I, she says, I was hiking through this town. And she said, somebody made a comment to me. And they didn't even know that it hurt, but it hurt me so badly because it brought back memories of my mom, but she said even more, it brought back memories of my best friend who died a few years ago unexpectedly, and I never went to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And she said all this guilt was just all over me, and she says I cried and walked for two straight days, and I could not stop. I said, well, hey, what did you do? She said by the end of the second day, she said, I remembered some of the things you shared, and I talked to this Jesus. And my sadness went away. She says, what does that mean? You know. So we talked about that some more. And I, then after I let her talk for a while, I said, okay, you've talked enough now. I want, to, I, want to tell, I want to tell you what you're doing for me right now. I said, I want to tell you a bit of my story. I said, you remember many days ago when we were sitting and we were drinking that beer together and you were telling me your story and then I told you a little bit about what my life is like as a pastor and some of the things that God's teaching me? She said, yeah. She says, I've actually been thinking. She says, I has even said a prayer or two for you while I was walking. I said, that's great. I said, because I'm struggling right now, Alyssa. I said, I'm struggling going back. I'm struggling with my own self, thinking I'm going to have a hard time being who God's made me to be here because I'm going to have this tendency to maybe somehow get caught up into the fast pace again and I share with her my story it was so healing for me in that moment all that anxiety that I had it's gone mm -hmm. just by Alyssa listening to my story and I just share that with you guys just to encourage you you know maybe you're going through your day and you feel like gosh my schedule is so full and you see that person in the corner of the room and that little spark God saying why don't you carry on a conversation? And the last thing you're thinking of is to stop, to, have a, to tell a story or to listen to a story because you have so much to do. When that could be the opportunity that God has been looking for in that person's life or maybe even in your life. Amen. Amen. It has been said... When you are listened to deeply, it's like being loved. And most people can't tell the difference between the two. It's also been said, you can't be loving and efficient at the same time. Love is patient. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. So here's what I want you to do. Up on the screen, we will have this, this same one during communion. 
but I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord to bring a story to your mind during communion. And whatever he brings to mind, I want you to reflect on it. Notice your main emotion in that story. Become aware of God's presence and action. Notice how maybe your story is linked to God's bigger story. And then ask him, is there someone you can maybe share this with? Or at least be ready to share it with whenever God brings someone across your path that you are patient enough to listen to. I'd like for us to read together because really what David just shared was evangelism. Life to life evangelism. Let us read Psalm 71, 15 through 18 together. I will tell everyone about your righteousness all day long. I will proclaim your saving power, though I am not skilled with words. I will praise your mighty deeds, O sovereign Lord. I will tell everyone that you alone are just. O God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood, and I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. Now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O oh God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. All life experiences, no matter what they are, display the compassionate, loving character of God. Our life tell stories. Tell of him. Let the redeemed tell their story in a way that tells his story. And as Paul Harvey would have said, and now you know the rest of the story. However, I think if he was here today, he would say, and now you know, to tell the rest of your story as part of God's story. Let us pray. God, I so love you. What are you up to today? I want to be a part of it so that I can tell others who you are and what you do. I will encourage them to hand you their pen so that you can write their story as part of your story too. And may they not be selfish in keeping all those faith stories to themselves, but to share them with the next generation, to help children and teens and others know that no matter what age they are or what part of the journey of faith they are on, they too have a story to tell. And just as Psalm 107 is, not only will we proclaim it, but we will do so in gratitude and great joy for who you are. Amen.